The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. everybody and welcome into the sportscaster and her son i'm peggy kaczynski your host 12-time emmy award-winning sportscaster from nbc chicago oh i don't know for what last 17 years and um i'm the mom and i'm the baby boomer and i'm jason Canander. i am a freshman not for too much longer at, uh, at ut austin with just about a week left in the semester uh i am on our talent for tstv sports I'm a contributing writer for College Basketball Review, and yeah. You know what's crazy, Jason? When we started the podcast, you were a senior in high school. No, I wasn't. I was a junior a in junior. high school. You were a junior. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you were doing second semester of my junior year. That's right. You were doing all of your college apps and everything. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I can't believe how much time has gone by. Okay, so yeah. listen. Last week, we talked about NFL draft bus, and we had – some great responses. We, actually, we had too many responses, so we cut it into two parts. So this is our part two. Um, we already heard from Yurko at ESPN Radio. Mike Evans was who he was completely wrong about. Uh, Greg Gabriel, former um, scouting guy from the Chicago Bears, was wrong about Mike Haynes from uh, Penn State. And Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune, longtime NFL writer, said he was wrong about Cedric Benson, which was funny because that was mine, right? Jason, since we heard from these guys, the Bears draft is over. Can you contain yourself over the fact that they got Justin Fields? (laughs) Well, you know what, Mom? And I feel like this is a story that we're going to be telling for years, potentially decades, one that I hope I'm going to be telling my kids. Uh, Of course, you remember a couple hours before the draft, I texted you and I said, if the Bears trade up and draft Justin Fields, I might just cry with tears of happiness. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you what, I was doing work all day on Thursday. I uh, just came back. I got dinner with one of my friends. I'm watching the draft and once the top 10 was done and Fields wasn't picked. I, I had my fingers crossed and I was I was sitting there sweating through the uh, Detroit and Denver picks. Once we got out of the top 10, I'm like, oh boy, this uh, these next 10 picks leading up to 20 are probably going to be pretty stressful. So I got up to use the bathroom. I got the TV playing in the background. And while I'm using the bathroom, I hear from the TV that the New York Giants have traded the 11th pick. And uh, I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I like, hold my breath and I hear to the Chicago Bears, and, uh, you know, I, I did my business real quick, got back into the, <laughs> into the living room, and uh, uh, I sit down, and my first reaction was, oh, you got to be kidding me. We're going to trade up and take Mac Jones. Mm. So I put my phone away. I, I always stay off Twitter during the draft, um, and the pick gets announced, and it's Justin Fields, and I almost blew out a vocal cord from how – 
loud I was yelling, how excited I was. I am. I can't say enough about the pick. When you when you look at the other draft prospects, the other quarterbacks, the Bears got who could the guy who could possibly be the second best quarterback in the in the draft. Uh, many and, people thought that he was the second best. Many people yes, thought that. All the way, even after the season, he was mocked to go at number two to the Jets, and to no fault of his own, really, did he fall. It was more so Zach Wilson looked amazing in his pro day. Trey Lance looked amazing in his pro day. I think that maybe there's a little divine intervention with the Bears. This is a franchise that, and I think we've talked about this about six or seven times in the podcast, that year in and year out, decade, decade out, almost century in and century out, this team continually has not been able to find their guy at quarterback. And I just so think that the Bears had a couple chips fall in their place, and they made the move that will obviously define the careers of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace and could very well define the direction of the franchise for the next 10 to 15 years. It's crazy four years after they trade up for Mitch Trubisky that they do it again. They trade up. They give away next year's uh, first round pick. They, you know, and everyone's like, oh, oh gosh. Well, but when you, this is not Mitch Trubisky. This is not, a kid that comes from a, one of the best programs in the country and in two years proved he could handle the, the, the stress, the pressure, uh, just a, a just a really great quarterback. Yeah, it's exciting that the Bears actually have a potential Their franchise guys. quarterback. It's crazy. Well, mom, you know there are two really big things that I look at with the Fields pick. And number one, when you compare it to Trubisky, the Bears essentially gave up less for somebody who is a highly regarded prospect than Trubisky was when he was taking it too. Right. Justin Fields would have been the first quarterback selected in that draft. Um, and you say he comes from one of the best programs. People forget Justin Fields is originally at Georgia mm-hmm. and then transferred to Ohio State. He's been at two of the best programs in the country. He's played in two, three playoff games, appeared in one national championship game. He is a bread winner. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bears have been missing under center for so long. For my entire time watching this team, Jay Cutler was a fine NFL quarterback. But at no stop in his career, whether it be college at Vanderbilt or in the NFL with Denver, the Bears, Miami, was he ever a winner? With Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky played one year at North Carolina, and I believe they went 8-4. In high school, he wasn't, he, he wasn't this highly regarded prospect, big-time winner, and he didn't really win in the NFL the Bears have never really had a true winner under center. And now you get Justin Fields. And it's so easy to get caught up in trading up for Fields and getting the, the big brand name guy in the draft. But the other thing that impressed me even more, and I always say this every draft, if you are going to use your assets, whether it be a top five pick or trade into the first round for who you believe is going to be your future franchise quarterback, your very next move has to be to protect him. So with the Bears, when you draft someone like Tevin Jenkins, who had a first-round grade, who was probably going to be their pick at 20, at 20 yep. if they hadn't moved, the, the, this draft couldn't have won any better. It yeah. could not have won any better. Well, the think day about, three was great. Think about how much we complained about the offensive line last year. I, yeah. We will never really know how good Mitch Trubisky could have been or is 
because he did not have any protection. And then he went through the, you know, change in, in uh, coaches and Matt Nagy completely went away from his offense. And, but you're right. You're right. They went the next two picks. They went offensive line. The and next big two picks, offensive linemen, big, durable guys, not necessarily nasty. future pro bowlers, and nasty. but big, nasty, yeah. gritty guys. Maulers. And, uh, yeah. and, and people always don't really give too much regard to, to the day three of the draft. And honestly, typically I don't really either. Um, but the bears made a pick in, I believe it was the sixth round that I think could be one of the steals of the draft. And that's Daz Newsome, a wide receiver out of North Carolina. I watched almost every game of his this past year with the Tar Heels. He is going to be Anthony Miller's replacement when he is inevitably traded or cut, as he should be. And I think that the way that the Bears managed this draft was excellent. The, the biggest criticism against, against Pace has always been that he can draft on day three. Sometimes he can draft on day two, but day one, he has never really been able to truly get right. This was like we were in a parallel universe. They nailed day one. They nailed day two. They nailed day three, and they already have a good track record on day three. So this could be one of the better hauls that we've ever seen the Bears get in a draft, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. I love hearing you this excited. You should have heard everyone in Chicago. The the talk shows were crazy. The video of of the White game when, uh, when they announced the field pick. It was like scoreless game in like the top of the third, and everyone starts cheering. Yeah, which which is amazing. The way that the city is going, like when when the Bears now have finally made a move that the fans have called for, the fans are going to surround Justin Fields and they're going to back him. Whereas with Trubisky and Cutler, it kind of seems like this like really odd relationship of like, uh, okay, you might have thrown three touchdowns today, but I still remember that end zone interception you threw against Washington week two, right. like. I think that this is not only going to change the culture of the team, but the culture of the fan base and the way that this team drafts, the way this team develops talent and the side of the ball that the team focuses on. Is there, since our topic starting last week was draft picks you were completely wrong about, is there any chance Justin Fields is a bust? Well, yeah, I I would say yes. And I'm going to say that for two reasons. Number one, the biggest knock against Fields this year, especially from what I saw, because every time Ohio State played, they're on national television. So I watched every game. And the one thing with Fields, and this is going to haunt Bears fans, is he is very, very prone to making the stupid mistake. Yeah. The bad throw in the end zone, or maybe keeps the play alive for a little too long and throws one into double coverage and it gets picked. And, you know, I would prefer to have a quarterback that's going to make those big type type of gamble plays than have a, a very very conservative offense and not really take shots down the field like what, like what we saw with Nick Foles and Trubisky also didn't really take too many shots down the field that's just the way the Bears offense was laid out uh, so I would say he's very very disaster prone but now in today's NFL that doesn't matter as much because you have disaster prone guys like Josh Allen and Kyler Murray that was their biggest knockout of college. Now they're two of the top quarterbacks in the league. So I think that today's NFL is going to fit fields well, but it's also a very, very, not, not a very good, not a very good sign. The second thing is, and I know that this is more of a minor thing. Um, some people believe that the reason why fields fell is because he um, told teams in his interviews that he is, that he has epilepsy mm-hmm. and apparently runs in the family. Um, 
like he said that like past generations, like his family members have just kind of grown out of it, which I believe is common with epilepsy. Um, but there has to be a reason why fields fell that we don't know about because somebody with that type of resume and that type of talent, he was the top quarterback coming out of high school or no, he was number two behind Trevor Lawrence. He was in all, in, in all fairness was the number two, at least in terms of credentials, quarterback prospect of this draft. Um, there has to be a reason why he fell. And I don't know if it was the epilepsy. I don't know if it was something else with, with the physicals. His pro day was fine. His combine was fine. Um, there, there's something that we don't know or that we know but aren't making too big of a deal of that I think could be kind of kind of weird because there's no reason why Denver shouldn't have taken Justin Fields. Uh, unless, so, unless Denver knows that they're going to be taking um, – Aaron Rodgers when he gets released because the Packers are not going to release him now when they only save $5 million when they can save $25 million in June. And unless that's what Denver is counting on and there's a backdoor deal with that, it's the only re- that's the only explanation for the Broncos. We'll see. Ultimately, I don't, I think that Fields is one of the safer prospects in the draft especially when you look at guys like Zach Wilson and Trey Lance that really emerged this year. Lance emerged last year, but only played one game because of the FCS pushing their football season to the spring. And in comparison to the other five, to the five total first round quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence is, a, is an all century type of prospect. So he's not even in this conversation, but Zach Wilson, his receivers won't have that type of space in, in the NFL, especially with the, with the week schedule at BYU played Trey Lance historically FCS quarterbacks have not translated well to the NFL. Joe Flacco and maybe Carson Wentz are the two exceptions. Justin Fields in a draft where the Bears needed a quarterback was the safest pick, would have been the safest pick if they were already in the top 10 and was the best guy they could have gotten other than Trevor Lawrence. And if he's a bust, I think that that just has to fall in the Bears player development. And it'll be another story of a great guy that the Bears get, somebody who's highly touted out of college, and they just screw up with the development. So it'll be interesting to see this next year and the years to follow when Fields eventually becomes a starter, how much emphasis is placed on surrounding him with talent and developing him and giving him the, the excuse me, giving him the uh, the attention and the effort and the energy needed to develop into the franchise quarterback that, if we're all being honest, the Bears have not had since World War II. All right, so we did promise that we would um, bring some more uh, answers to last week's question because we had so many great answers to, you know, who was the one draft pick you were completely wrong about? Let's begin part two with a former Bears player who was a fourth-round draft pick in 2002. He was expected to go on day one, maybe day two, but that was a year when, you know, there was Julius Peppers, Dwight Freeney, these guys, you know. I remember clearly what they said about him out of Florida. He was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, Florida's leader in sacks, but he was considered a tweener. He worked out at linebacker. He worked out as a defensive lineman. And then the ultimate kick in the gut, his teammate, Florida's kicker, was taken before him in the draft. Eight years Ooh. later, two division titles and an NFC Conference Championship and top five in Bears franchise history with 43 and a half sacks. 
I would say he proved the prognosticators wrong. So as we begin part two, Jason, let's start with Alex Brown, who many people will remember his playing days with the Bears. And we ask him, because many people were wrong about him in the 2002 NFL draft, who was the draft pick he was completely wrong about? And so the question is, if I'm if I was ever wrong on one of the on a draft pick, um, and I'm gonna stay close to uh, some of the things I I know, and that's when I was with the Bears, and uh, there was one time, just uh, just the only time because I'm rarely wrong about this stuff. But uh, this one time uh, after my rookie season, uh, we weren't very good, uh, if I recall correctly, we were. Four and twelve after that season, and we needed some help. Okay, I know we had a lot of injuries that year, and we just needed a little bit of help, and we'd be all right. The Bears, we don't have a first first round pick. Now the Bears decide they want to pick a guy out of Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns. And honestly, I was I was pissed off. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, there's somebody won a national championship. How about we go and get them? And you look up this kid, and he can barely run. He's skinny. You're like, oh, my gosh, how is this kid going to help us? Fortunately, I was dead wrong. I wasn't just wrong because this young kid, uh, who is a very good friend of mine now, uh, turns out to be, in my opinion, the best cornerback to ever uh, play in a Bears uniform. And that is Charles Peanut Tillman. Oh, my. Oh, I'm glad I was so wrong. <laughs> this is Jeff Dickerson from ESPN. Even though I've been pretty spot on with most of the Bears' bad first-round draft picks the last couple of years, I have to say... The Kevin White pick back in 2015 at 7th overall, I actually thought that was going to be a pretty good pick. I mean, Kevin White had big numbers at West Virginia, all these catches, all these touchdowns, all the speed at the combine. But how was I supposed to know that, A, he couldn't stay healthy because he partly overtrained uh, for the combine, and B, he didn't know how to run any routes? Well, we found that out the hard way when he got to Chicago, and it quickly became very evident that he was going to be a bust. I think you knew after year one, basically, that draft pick was not going to work. But draft night, I said, man, the Bears got themselves a stud-wide receiver, and geez, was I wrong. Hi, I'm Dan Pompey from The Athletic, here to talk about the draft pick I was wrong about. Now, as I started thinking about this, I said to myself that, I'm glad I'm a writer and not a general manager because I've been wrong about a lot of them. I think the one that stands out the most is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I was skeptical about his ability to succeed in the NFL based on conversations with, with front office people because, you know, he was 12 and 13 as a starter, Texas Tech. He did not beat many good teams in college. His mechanics were different. Uh, he was sacked a lot, and the offensive system he played in was very different from anything he would see in the NFL. Of course, what I downplayed was his incredible instinct and a talent that could cut through almost any circumstance. 
Now, that does not mean I was an advocate of taking Mitch Trubisky high in the draft, however, as the Bears did. And on the subject of Bears quarterbacks, I've got another confession to make. I was also wrong about Kate McNown. The NFL evaluators I spoke with before the draft praised him for his clutch play, his ability to win games, his field vision, leadership, and his intangibles. But ultimately, I think intangibles probably prevented him from ever having a chance in the NFL. See, there are good reasons why quarterback evaluations are so difficult, and I guess I'm proof of that. Thanks for having me. This is Adam Johns from The Athletic. So who is the one draft pick for the Bears I was completely wrong about? It's got to be Shea McClellan. I know my colleagues on the beat will have fun with this one. I like them more than most. Look, I never thought that McClellan would make it as a defensive end for the Bears, but I thought he could be a pretty good off-the-ball linebacker. I think you saw that play out when defensive coordinator Vic Fangio switched his position in 2015. He wasn't great, but he was a better player. Still didn't stop Ryan Pace from trying to upgrade it inside linebacker in 2016. The Bears signed Danny Trevathan and Jarrell Freeman. But McClellan did go on to be a starter and a Super Bowl champion with the Patriots. He was just better. Concussions ended his career, but that said, he still wasn't worth the 19th overall pick in 2012. Bears fans will remember him as a bust, but the Bears didn't help him at all whatsoever by playing him out of position either. Shane McClellan is my pick. Hey everybody, this is John Buffone, host of Buffone 55 on the Barroom Network. If we're talking drafts that we got wrong, I'm taking a trip back to 2011. With the 29th overall pick, the Bears drafted offensive tackle Gabe Karimi out of Wisconsin. With a massive 6'7", 320-pound frame, Karimi was an absolute road grader in college, and I thought this guy would be a mainstay on the Bears' offensive line to this day. But some bad injuries and being thrown into the starting lineup from day one really stunted Karimi's progression, and then he flopped back and forth from tackle to guard, and it just never really worked out. Uh, and if you may remember, Karimi was supposed to be the counterpart to another high draft pick on the offensive line, Chris Williams, who didn't exactly live up to expectations either. Both Williams and Karimi were gone after 2012, with Williams being released and Karimi being traded to Tampa Bay for a fourth-round pick. Ironically, both Williams and Karimi were out of the NFL after the 2014 season, further proving there are no sure things in the NFL draft. Okay, those were some really good ones as well. We had everything from, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Kevin White to, no, we heard Cedric Benson, um, Oh, Shay McClellan. So, Jason, of all of them, what was the one that you were most intrigued by? There are actually two. The first one was Tillman. That is so surprising to me because the culture in the NFL today is when a guy is picked to go to somebody's team, especially on the same side of the ball, like everybody is just on that team is just so supportive. Like you saw Tariq Cohen with the Bears drafting the offensive lineman. He was having a field day on Twitter, so happy and excited about it. That kind of surprises me that, and it's really cool to hear that, like, sometimes it's really not like that. And sometimes players on teams, aside from the obvious of somebody getting drafted to fill somebody's current position, um, are sometimes more skeptical about guys coming in. And it's funny that now Peanut Tillman is one of the, if not the greatest cornerback in Bears history. Uh, The other one that really surprised me was Mike Evans. I remember when Mike Evans got picked, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade, and he was Johnny Mandel's top target at Texas A&M. So 
So every middle schooler thought that Manziel and Evans were like the, cool, the two coolest dudes in all football. So I'm kind of surprised that, that there's something yeah. as but Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that that there was anyone at the time, because that was really before I got into social media. But I'm kind of surprised that there's like no one at the time uh, or that there were people at the time that were skeptical of the pick, because especially in, in Thursday's draft, there were three wide receivers to go in the first round, and they were the three best receivers in college, the three biggest guys highlight-wise. And I don't think I heard a bad thing about any of the three. Yeah. So with a position like wide receiver where everybody loves to gloss over these guys making these catches, and especially from the SEC every every Saturday at 3 o'clock, watching guys like Mike Evans and now Jalen Waddell and, and Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase, I'm so surprised. Uh, that there were even people that didn't like the pick. So those are those are my two biggest takeaways. It's such a great it's such a great question to ask people. You know, in this draft, you know, who's gonna, you know, who are you completely wrong about? Because yeah. you don't know. It takes you a good five years before you can, you know, actually the answer the question. Right at the very least. Yeah. All right, Absolutely. so no predictions, no closing thoughts. This was part two of our of our mini podcast episode. Answer me this. I got one prediction. Oh, okay. Really quick. There, now, because we're from Chicago and every Chicago sports fan base is so pessimistic, the big conversation is, is Fields going to start week one? He should start week one. Andy Dalton's going to start week one, but I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say by week four, Justin Fields is under center. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Matt Nagy talked about how he wanted to do maybe like what they did with Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes. Matt Nagy knows he doesn't have more than a year left on his lifeline unless he does something big in Chicago. Yep. So Justin Fields will be in by October. All right. Our thanks to Alex Brown, Jeff Dickerson from ESPN, Dan Pompey from The Athletic, Adam Johns also of The Athletic, and John Buffon from the Bears Barroom Network. This was a really fun uh, question. So I really had fun with this. It was great to watch the NFL draft. And I know, Jason, you're super excited about it. So we have a lot to finally be optimistic about with the Chicago Bears this coming season. Really fun, right? Yes. All right. Time to uh, say goodbye. Thank you guys all for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Please don't forget to download and rate us. It's our lifeblood. Like, rate, download, and do it again. We need it. All right, Jason, be good. We will see you soon. You're going to be coming home in the next couple of weeks from after your freshman year of college. And uh, we look forward to having you here. But um, you still have a curfew, you know, when you come home. So, all right. Oh, I'd hope not. <laughs> all right, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.